Turn with me, if you you will, to our Scripture for the day, Matthew 23, 1-12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to His disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Amen. This text we read today is about hypocrisy. I was telling the children, when you say one thing or act one way and then you do a completely other thing, and that's hypocrisy. It's one of the things that really hurts the church today. One of the main reasons people cite for why they don't go to church is that they see people acting one way on Sunday and another day, another way in their everyday lives. They come to Sunday, they, oh, they act so nice, they're so nice to you, and then they're, you know, they're cheating on their taxes or cheating people out of something, or, the, or, or they have, you know, it says, what would Jesus do on the back of their car, and then they're, it's clear when they're driving that they have absolutely nothing to do. You know, they may as well say, what would Scooby do on the back of their car? Because uh, they're not thinking about Jesus at all <laughs> when they cut me off. And then, God help me if I cut them off. Because then, you know, then it really gets uh, interesting with some gestures and maybe some name calling. And... But I would dare say we all kind of are guilty of hypocrisy, right? Our, our church culture kind of, our, our church culture breeds hypocrisy. It seems to, it seems to instill it within us. How can we help but be that way when the church is seen as a holy place where holy people do holy things and live holy lives? How can one help but try to put on a holy face when we come into this this sacred space. And of course, the effect of that is that the person trying to be holy recognizes that they are not at all holy. In fact, they start to feel like their unholiness really sticks out compared to all the other holy people around them. And then one becomes scared that someone will see them for what they really are and they start to overcompensate. And then they try to be really, really holy on Sunday morning. Of course, the big secret is that everyone else is just as not holy as you are. (laughs) And they're just as eager to try and look holy on Sunday morning. And so everyone is running around trying not to let anyone see the fact that they're really not as holy as they seem 
to be. And thus, let the hypocrisy begin right here and right now. You know, I've thought about putting an ad out that says, the church is full of hypocrites, but there's always room for more. (laughs) So you're welcome to come and join us. (laughs) However, when church is a place where people go to try and sort out their lives in Christ, where they're not expected to have it all together and they're not expected to have all the answers, where new life in Christ looks chaotic and messy and where we're all on a journey of faith that takes a lot of time. We, don't, we can't get there overnight. And where it's safe to be yourself. Oh, wouldn't that be nice church where it's safe to be yourself, warts and all, to just kind of let it all hang out. There's less room in a church like that for hypocrisy to grow. There's less room to try and and pretend to be something you're not. And when church instills within the followers and the people who believe a sense of not worrying about how they look to everyone, but really nurturing that relationship we have with God and the relationship we have with one another and to help recognize that everyone everyone's life is a little messy everyone's family is crazy I know you think your family is nuts everyone's family is crazy every family's dysfunctional uh, we should stop pretending that we're not but <laughs> when if we live in a church and we and we live in an atmosphere and we live in a life where it's safe to be who we are and to show it's permission giving to see other people's shortcomings and to see other people's struggles in life and to know that other people whom we love and respect whose spiritual lives we respect and to recognize that they also struggle i was blessed i was i was so blessed when mother teresa when it was revealed that mother teresa in her last last days was so filled with doubt She wasn't sure she could go on. And who could blame her? That woman faced death and and destruction and ugliness and the worst of humanity every day of her life. We can afford her a little bit of doubt. Amen? Thank God Mother Teresa has room for doubt. Because that woman was a saint and she still found it within herself to wonder and to be frustrated and to feel like, what is it all about? Is it really worth it? God, are you really there? She struggled, just like you and me. Amen. In our text today, Jesus confronts the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And Jesus has been battling with the Pharisees for, for the last several chapters now. And here things finally get to a head. They love to be recognized as leaders. Oh, how they love the attention they get. They wear the clothes of a holy person. They have their phylacteries. Phylacteries are those little boxes that, that people wear on their heads and they wear them on their shoulders and then they wrap these big, these big uh, uh, ribbons around their arms and it, you know, it's a, it shows your holiness. Oh, I've got the Word of God on my arm right here. And it, it's, bo- it's a box that contains some Scripture in it. And they, you know, they love the honor that is afforded them as leaders in the, in the faith community. And yet, they do not put into practice what they teach others to do. 
is what Jesus accuses them of. They are whitewashed tombs, Jesus says in another place. They're dead on the inside, but on the outside they look fabulous. This text is especially awkward, i got to say, for a preacher to preach because this text is really addressing the leaders of the church, isn't it? The Pharisees who were the keepers of the law, who sat in Moses' seat, who told other people what God wanted them to do. A little awkward for the church leader to be faced with this kind of thing. And yet, it was a legitimate concern then for the leaders of the church. After all, the way you became a leader, the way you got onto Moses' seat in the first century Jewish world was through your political and your financial connections. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, a, a pulpit committee that filled and, and people voted on whether or not this guy should be the high priest or whether this guy should be in charge of things. No, no. It was appointed, it was a political appointment either by Herod or, or by the governor, Pilate, or one of these other people. And it came because you were rich or because you had some kind of connection to the powers that be. Of course, it was never said that way. No one said that out loud. There was all kinds of talk about being the anointed of God, chosen and set apart. But of course, all of that was window dressing to keep the masses quiet and to keep them submitted by through religious structure that became part of the domination system. This is one of the things that chapped Jesus off. Can I say chapped off from the pulpit? <laughs> this is one of the things that chapped Jesus off is that they used religion to hold people down. And Jesus confronts this directly and suggests that the way to avoid this is to acknowledge God alone as rabbi, as teacher, as leader. You have but one God and God's Messiah. I guess that's two, but same thing. Here's the truth. We have a similar problem with leadership today. We still have a propensity to venerate church leaders, pastors, priests, bishops, etc. Some of our traditions breed this by telling the members that their leaders are especially anointed by God and that they have a special calling that sets them apart and gives them authority over everybody else. Authority breeds hypocrisy. Absolute authority breeds hypocrisy, absolutely. There's, there's little way to not find corruption within this system. In these traditions, it's easy for impropriety to happen because leaders are seen as God's special agents in the world and they are told that they are special. Their authority has absolutely nothing to do with training or qualifications, though they might have those things, but those are secondary. Their authority is, in, is vested in that someone higher up laid hands on them, and thus they are given unquestionable authority. The other way this happens is that they have a cultic personality. I, many, I don't know if anyone knows about what's been going on in Seattle, but I've been watching it closely because I'm I, from there, but there's this 
uh, church called Mars Hill, and it had a rather dynamic leader named Mark Driscoll, who was a bully and a, a mean-spirited guy, but for some reason people flocked to his message. And he, th- that church just shut down because he had to leave in scandal. Without that personality in front of the church, that church completely fell apart. It's dangerous to, to instill this in leaders and to put leaders of the church a little higher or a lot higher over the spiritual discernment of everybody else. It's dangerous. However, i got to say, it's not, it's not always the church that does this. I know that some, you know, in, in some ways the church has... Many churches, and I'm not talking about specific churches here, but many traditions have a, re- a hierarchical system. And that hierarchical system, system functions under the guise that God is anointing certain people to be in charge and to have in authority to tell people what to do and how to live and how to, what God wants them to do. But it's not always the church. It's not always the structures of the church that do this. People seem to want a holy person to lord over them. I don't know what this is. We are Baptist, right? Which means that there is nothing special about the role of the pastor that makes me any more holy than any other person in the congregation. In a Baptist system, the congregation is the highest authority in the church. You all who have a vested interest in the ministry of this, who have committed themselves to the ministry of this church, you all are in charge. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God help me if I try to take over and say, do it by, I'm speaking by the authority of God and you better do what I tell you. Man, you would, I wouldn't be able to pack my stuff fast enough. And yet people still, they seem to want to invest in me some special power. There's, you know, people want to throw on to me some special anointing that sets me higher than everyone else. A lady yesterday, or no, two days ago, wanted me to exercise some demons out of her house. Uh, and we'll ask, now, mind you, they, she had other problems besides demons that was going on, and that... Uh, you should someone, You should come follow me around for a week and see the funny characters I run into. But uh, <laughs> this woman wanted me to to come and exercise the demons out of her house, and I told her that her prayers were just as good as mine, and that there's nothing particularly special about my blessing versus her own. Why? Because I'm Baptist. That's the way we work. Your prayers are just as effective as my prayers, and yet. Uh, Somehow, there's something within so many of us that says, oh, there's something better about pastor's prayers than my prayers. And it's not just folks who seem demons who do this, right? Often people want to project this authority onto the, onto the pastor. I urge you, I beg you, I implore you, resist this impulse. Not just in my case, although definitely in my case. (laughs) Resist this impulse. There is something in us that wants to be able to turn to a person 
and have that person speak to God on our behalf and to be holy and righteous and all of that. But there are two problems with this. One is, there's just no such thing. I am not holy. Now, most of you have no problem believing that. But some of you, you need to hear. I am not holy. There's nothing sacred about Pastor Curtis. I struggle with the exact same things you do. I have a potty mouth. I apologize. I have a terrible, it's from my Air Force days and, and things like that. I have a terrible potty mouth. And I, sometimes it slips out from the pulpit. I'm sorry about that. I'm petty and self-centered, just like everybody else. I struggle to pray. I have a hard time praying sometimes. It's a difficult discipline for me to get into. I struggle to do things that are good for me. I forget to look out for others and I long for more, just like all of you do. I, I walk past the homeless person and go into Nordstrom and look at, for new shoes because the 20 pairs of shoes I have just aren't quite enough. I can tell you this, I never preach a sermon that I don't need to hear myself. We are in this together. There is nothing special. or Now, don't get me wrong. I, I feel... I feel called to be the pastor of this church. I feel God's blessing me with skills and abilities to do that. I feel the Holy Spirit at work in my life. But I also see the Holy Spirit at work just as much and more in all of you. Amen? The Holy Spirit is work in this place. Amen? And we all have our different roles to play. But do you know what makes me an appropriate leader in this church? It is, uh, oddly, it is not because, you know, someone, you know, it is, it is my training and my experience. When, when I, it's not, that's not very sexy, I know, it's not very spiritual. But when I applied to be the pastor here, uh, no one, no one asked if I, well, maybe they did, but, but, there was little discussion about my sense of anointing or someone's authority being passed on to me. It was about my training and my experience and what did I bring to the table, right? And I applaud that. I wouldn't be half the pastor I am without my training or my experience. Again, it's not as spiritual as, as saying I'm anointed by God and set apart but the truth is you would not have called me based on me saying, God has called me to be your pastor. If I called up Dennis and I said, God's called me to be your pastor, can you get the other guy out of there? He'd, he'd have hung up pretty quickly. He might have said a few things first. <laughs> or even if Dr. Patton, Marsha, our executive minister, she came down and said, you've got to call Curtis, he's your guy. They, they wouldn't have just taken her word for it. When people want to know what is different about the Baptist church, this is the one of the best things you can talk about. right? Everyone else has all these notions about what a Baptist church is. This is what a Baptist church is. The Holy Spirit is working all of us. And the highest authority in the church is the congregation. I don't have any authority that is not afforded me by the whole congregation. And even then, we are in partnership. Right? I, 
we discern the will of God together. And I can stand up here with conviction and say, I think God, here's, here's where I see God's vision going. But, you know, if, if you don't see God's vision too, you know, a, a leader without followers is just a guy out for a walk, right? If you don't catch that vision too, if you don't see the work of God too with me, if that's not confirmed, if we're not working together, it's absolute chaos. You know the truth of it because you've seen it in this church. Amen? We've seen poor leaders who, who are in, not in conjunction, not in sync with the re- will of the congregation, the spiritual discernment of the collective. Amen. We are better when we are discerning God's will together, not just blindly following what I think God's will is. Okay, but here's the other problem. It's not just that. Here's the other problem with lifting up leaders and, and putting them way up here and saying, this person's holier than me, this person has a direct line to God, this person's my intercessory. The other problem with this is that it becomes a way for you to insulate yourself from a transformative, new creation, born-again relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is your way of getting out of it. This is, see how I put this back on you? If you can let me be holy for you, then you don't have to. If you can let me do the praying, then you don't have to. If you can let me be close to God, then you don't have to. You just have to be close to me. <laughs> and that's a lot easier, right? In this, however, we miss out on what a real honest relationship with god through christ can mean for our lives we think it means that we're going to have to be holy when in fact the opposite is true when we can finally let the need to look good for god and everyone else and just let ourselves show before god show who we really are we will see that in the eyes of god we are already holy and we need not try to be something we aren't but to let that which is already within us shine through the living christ within us amen in other words all the holiness we will ever need is not something we become but it is a byproduct of our relationship with jesus christ it is your holiness on your own efforts will never amount to much any more than my holiness will your efforts to to become pure and you know white as the driven snow if you will any of those metaphors for holiness your efforts are going to fail every time it's only when we forget worrying about that and we say god this is who i am here i am Show me where to go from here. Be within me. Show me that best version of myself. Bring out in me the good. Because it's always struggling with the bad. You know, when, we, when we just work on that, that's when we start to glow. That's when, that's when the life of Christ is shown within us and through us and around us. That's when the real transformation starts to take place. So I beg you, I beg you to focus on that. 
and to not impart or instill or invest your energy in someone else being holy or pretending to be holy yourself, but seek the holiness of Christ within yourself. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we hear this this story of hypocrisy of the leadership of Jesus' time and how they are called to it. And it's a message that resonates within ourselves. Forgive us as the community of Christ that has bred hypocrisy within our own selves. May we learn from this text today. May we grow in a transformative relationship with You. And may that be what sets us apart. Not our holiness, but our desire to be your followers. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.